Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. is monday and welcome back to murph's boston sports talk i am your host james murphy aka murph i hope you had a wonderful healthy safe weekend really hope you were able to kind of bear down on the frigid weather we've been having here in new england it is the epitome of a frozen tundra as of this past week and it's only going to get worse because we are expected to get plowed or depending when you're listening you did get plowed by an absolute snowstorm. So stay warm, stay safe, bunker down. And over the weekend, we had a blockbuster trade in the NFL. Just going to jump right into it. Here's quick hits. Bang. Matthew Stafford traded off the board, getting traded to the Los Angeles Rams for a haul. Two future first-round draft picks, a third-round draft pick, and... Jared Goff. Now, two first-round draft picks for Matthew Stafford seems a little steep. It really does. When the 49ers were offering a second and a third, other teams were probably offering a first and a fifth, I heard, first and a fourth. Uh, Rumored that the Lions had six offers on the table. They ended up taking the Rams' offer. Now, what does this do? The Lions are in full rebuild mode. They They now have Jared Goff, who is a... A quarterback. He's not good. He's not great. He doesn't suck. He's Jared Goff, and they could still be rel. They could win a few games. They're not going to be good, but if they can take Jared Goff now and trade him away to flip him for maybe another first round or second, third, whatever you want to try to get out of him, that'd be a power move because now you got two first round draft picks in a few years from the Rams. And you take Jared Goff, because if you want to just hit the full, bam, full reset mode, I would trade Goff instantly. Either draft someone at, uh, what do they have, seven, I think, this year. Draft a quarterback there, have him play, flip Goff, get more assets back, and just completely rebuild from there. Because right now, the Detroit Lions are going absolutely nowhere. But looking at the Rams, though, on the flip side, whoa, they got Matthew Stafford. Okay. So now they have a gunslinger quarterback in a really good offense with a very, very, very good defense. Probably the best defense in the NFL. They're in full re, uh, full win-now mode. They are. If they don't make the Super Bowl, if they don't win the Super Bowl next year, it's a disappointment. It has to be a disappointment, right? Because they have no future first-round draft picks till like 2024 or something like that. 
They haven't had a first-round draft pick since they selected Jared Goff with the first overall pick in the 2016 draft, I believe. So, I mean, they were probably a quarterback, maybe, you know, a piece away from winning. But they got their guy now, and he is on the wrong side of 30. He is injury-prone, but he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. As long as they got the pieces around him, they should be able, easily be able to kind of win the West next year. Uh, and then just kind of make a run at the Super Bowl. So what are you guys' thoughts on that trade? Absolute mega deal going down. Matthew Stafford off the board, no longer available. Now we thought Jared Goff was potentially available. With him being on the Lions, is he now available? Or is he also locked up and unavailable being on the Detroit Lions now? I want to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me at Merce underscore Boston ST on Twitter and Instagram. DM me, uh, tweet at me, whatever. If you're listening on YouTube, comment down below. Tell me what your thoughts. Uh, was this an overpayment by the, the Rams? Was this an underpayment by the Rams? Was this the right deal? What's Goff's future in Detroit now? Are the Rams going to be a, a Super Bowl contender come 2021? There's so many questions to answer. And it, it, it's just fascinating that this came down so quickly. And I guess the next shoe to drop is Deshaun Watson, right? This you know goes back to Deshaun Watson's situation in uh, Houston. Is he on the move? Nick Casario has come out and said that they don't want to move him, that he, they want him to be the quarterback for the future of the Texans. And now we kind of saw what Matthew Stafford was able to pull in. Could only imagine what the Texans could pull in. Now, on a side note, the Rams did trade Jared Goff with a massive contract, so kind of paying more to unload said massive contract makes this makes some sense here. You know, all things considered, um, with Deshaun Watson, you're trading or trading for a massive contract, but you're getting a top five player. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. But, you know, you have a framework of something to kind of look at and, you know, consider if you're trading or trading for Deshaun Watson. But anyways, we have ourselves a special guest today. We have a incredible, incredible episode to get into. And I must first say that I have a ton of Celtics topics and takes in my topic box. Haven't pulled many. Pulled a few on Friday's episode. Haven't pulled many. This episode, me and the guest dive right into the Celtics. We dive right into the state of the NBA early on as we're about, you know, 17 to 20 games in across the league. We both go on rants. We both have hot takes. We both give our thoughts. We both go back and forth. It's just absolutely incredible. It was so much fun and it was so needed because I have so much on my mind and so much I need to get off my chest in regards to the Celtics and in the NBA and I was happily able to do so in this episode with this guest. Uh, this guest and I kind of go way back. We first met when I coached him actually. When I was a senior in high school, I coached uh, in town league and I drafted him. So that's kind of where we first got to know each other. And, you know, years later, who knew that we'd be pretty good bros, right? So I've coached him in basketball. I've coached him in baseball. But in this episode, him and I dive into everything and anything Celtics 
and in the NBA. And also, with it now officially being Super Bowl week, we dive in talking to, about the Super Bowl. Chiefs, Bucks, what to expect, our thoughts, what are we looking for. All of it is discussed in this episode, in this podcast. Without further ado, special guest on Murph's Boston Sports Talk is Joey LaRosa. This meeting is being recorded. Um, okay, so on Friday, on did you hear that? That this yeah. meeting's being recorded. I hate that. Okay. So on Friday's episode, I had a blazing hot take about Jalen Brown. And yeah. it was that Jalen Brown will be will be an all-star this year. Is that a hot take or not? I don't think it's a hot take. I think that's I mean it could be, but I think he personally I think he's an all-star. There's players that was in the All-Star game last year, like Russell Westbrook and like Ben Simmons, who he's just outplaying this year. So I don't know. I feel like he could take one of those guys' spots, you know? So I'm going to pull up the All-Star roster from last year for the East. Well, I guess, yeah, the East selections, because obviously we can't compare the West. And, oh, it's just, oh, it's broken up because of like Team Giannis and Team LeBron. Oh, God. I hate that, to be honest. 2020 East All-Stars. Okay, so I made that take because Jalen Brown is soaring at an exponential level in terms of skill, production, points, swag. I mean, you name it, he's doing it. And it's it's hard because he. I think he should have been one last year, and that's why I want to pull up the rosters. Because I think he was a real big snub last year, and he was awesome last year. But this year, he's just even better. And He's way better than last year. He's so much better. Okay, so. His numbers have went up huge. I mean, he's averaging, uh, let's see, I don't know if this is updated from last night's game. He's averaging 27 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, and 3.5 assists. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like He's he's shooting very efficiently. 52 from the field and 44 from three, which is a career high. So I I did a little research about Jalen Brown, and I found an article where he's taking advantage of the mid-range jump shot. Now, the NBA is a either you're dunking or you're shooting the three ball, and there's no in-between. And Jalen Brown is taking advantage of the in-between game with the mid-range, which is a higher percentage shot than a three-pointer. Granted, yeah. you obviously get one less point. However, if you are have the chance of making the basket 75% of the time being – 18 feet away from the hoop granted to call it 20 uh, no like 30 percent from three then i mean you're gonna get more two points yeah. than you are three points and that adds not up to mention time. he's going at big names too like he's not afraid to like go up against those big names like he he is a big name now exactly and I, like, so i have the roster for, you were talking about it's there it's so there and i think i, I really think it started when he shaved his uh his flat top like a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. That's when his like <laughs> offense really started to um, come together. But let me give you the rosters from last year for the East. Yeah. And uh, let's just say based off of this year, is he playing 
better or deserves a spot in comparison to said player. So Joel Embiid. I'm I mean Embiid, gonna... he's put I don't know he's putting the Sixers on his back right now. So they're, okay, what they're number one in the East. Uh yes, as of last night, yes. Yeah. So he's not better than Embiid. He is all right. Pascal Siakam, he's better than Siakam. Yeah. I I am a I hate Siakam. A bad year in general. I think he's trash. I think he's a product of being Kawhi's you know wingman. Yeah. Um, he's better than Kemba Walker. Oh, for sure. Um, is he better than Trey Young this year? Uh that that could be a hot take. I don't know. It's hard to judge also with some guys that you're naming because it's like two different positions. And that, that's the thing because like different aspects of that game. Because Jalen Brown, I believe, is technically a shooting guard, but he plays like the three. He plays like a, a like a he forward. Plays like, yeah. So, I mean, granted, it's a small man's game where pretty much everyone is playing a position down. So if you're a power forward, you're playing the five. The three, you're playing the four. Celtics always run the small ball. Exactly. Because they don't have a big man. And I went on a tyrant about that a few episodes ago. So, okay, let's look at Chris Middleton. Much better than Chris Middleton. I will forever hate Chris Middleton. I agree. And it's funny (laughs) you say that. So bad. I always talk to this guy at work. Always talk to him. He's he's just – he's a Bucks fan. He is so – big on Chris Middleton being better than Tatum and Brown. He, I just don't agree. Chris Middleton, Middleton is a three, not positional, but if you're looking at like a big three, he's the three guy. And obviously Giannis is the one. Someone else has to be like the two. Middleton doesn't have everything that Brown has. Middleton's good. Don't get me wrong. He, he's a sniper, but that's about it. I think Jalen is overall better. Uh, Jalen is so much more flashier. He's so much more explosive. Um, granted, exactly. Chris Middleton can probably shoot the three ball better, but I mean, yeah, Jalen Brown, I agree with that. his shot's starting to come. All right. Um, Bam Adebayo. That's tough. Cause I mean, it's completely That's different positions. Different. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ben Simmons. I hate Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Trash. Career loads all across the board this year. Almost. Trash. I mean, he's, he's, he's trash. And I'm not saying that. The Sixers. He's just trash. He's just a six foot ten Rondo. That's all he is. And Ron and I, I I'm a big Rondo fan, but I mean Dude, Ben Simmons will be nothing more. Uh let's see. Jimmy Butler, similar positions. Um back to the same position. The Heat blow. They're both dogs. They are. And they when Jimmy Butler wants to turn it on, money. he'll turn it on. Um, okay, next one. Jason Tatum. I think they should be in together. Kyle Lowry. Yeah, dude, he wow. he's good. Don't get me. He's all right. He's like your average point guard in the league. I don't see him being an all star still. I I just I don't understand why people love Kyle Lowry. He like will go off every once in a while, and he no, flies crazy. Not that Marcus Smart doesn't. I mean, we have to admit that. But it's just I don't see the Kyle Lowry hype. I don't. Yeah, me either. Uh, I know you mentioned Russell Westbrook last year. He's now in the East, so that's some someone we have to consider. Correct. Yeah, I mean, his career is going massively down. Every team, he's not going to be able – he's going to have to retire early if I'm – no team. He has no production for any team, like positive production. Yeah, I mean, he's a high-energy player. He'll give you a 1,000% on every every dribble, really. I mean, that's what you love to have in a player. But, I mean, he's not your one, and he's definitely probably not your two either. And being on the Wizards, who are trash to begin with. 
it's just so tough to find any success with um Westbrook running running your point. Yeah. Um okay. Definitely. And then Demonis uh Sabonis. Sabonis. The Pacers forward. I like him. Yeah, I like him too. He's pretty good. He's he's a good forward. Um and he has range. He's a good pull-up guy. Like Yeah, exactly. He's a face-up four, which is like, you know, which is kind of the league's turning into. Um with, with Sabonis, I like him and Miles Turner. I think they're a good four or five punch, but I mean, I know kind of Turner wants his way out of Indy, which I I think Sabonis or Turner would be a per- perfect fit for the Celtics. Really? Why? Okay, so I've talked about while my why Miles Turner would be a great fit for the Celtics and how he would impact the team. How would Sabonis do the same? See, if you can run, so we got what's our we we run a. For the forwards, we run Thompson at the four and Tice at the five. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say Tice can shoot, but not like efficiently. No. Like he's on and off. Yeah. I mean, so, he's, he's, he reminds me of Brandon Bass. Good little mid range. Yeah. We'll shoot the three ball every once in a while, and you're just kind of praying that it hits the rim. Uh, yeah. So, well, my thing is with like Sabonis, I know he's not. Like we're not talking about getting him, him like the Celtics, but a reason why a guy like him would fit with the Celtics is because I like having a dog at center. Like Tristan Thompson, just straight up rebounds. He's a big guy. I would, I like him at the five. I like him on the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then the thing is with the four, we run two big guys who are like that. Like Tice is kind of like that too. If we can get a stretch four and open up the court. You know, we yes. don't have like that. That, that's exactly why I want Miles Turner on this team because he does everything you just said, but at from the five position and not just the four. Because I really yeah. think all our big guys are just, you know, down on the block, under the hoop kind of guys. They can't really stretch the defense and play defense out on the perimeter if need be. And none of them are really shot um, rim protectors, which Miles Turner is. And he does everything that you just mentioned with, with, um, what you were saying with like, you know, Sabonis being a face up four and such. So, I mean, if you bring in Sabonis, then you obviously have to keep uh, probably Tice and then like, you know, the time Lord, because you need some kind of presence protecting the rim. Tristan Thompson used to be very, very good at that. And I feel like he hasn't done nearly as much as we want him to. Yeah, I, but like I still really like point. him though. I still yeah, really like him. I think I'd like him better on the second unit rather than on yeah. the, with the starters. But yeah, I don't like the Thompson slash Tice starting lineup. I don't. I don't either. I I think the Celtics you, you are bad when they play big. Or yeah, I like another guy like Sabonis, like Davis Bertans. Oh, I wanted the Celtics to trade for him last year. I know. We. I feel like that was a rumor. It that was, was a perfect mm, fit. It really would have been. It would have made so much sense. And I think really the Celtics blew it. I think they would have they would have been in so much better position to win the series against Miami. Um, I know the Raptor series was close, but they need shooting. He can pull up. I mean, he's a bigger guy. Not that he's going to, you know, go down on the post, but like he can, he's a stretch four, like what we were just saying, how he can stretch the defense out. He can play on the perimeter and stretch our defense out. So it's just a win-win. And if the wizards are truly in cell mode with all the, um, the Beal rumors, then I can't see why the Celtics wouldn't be on um, Bertrand's. Um, okay. So, all right. So 
I guess we kind of just talked about it. The other point was, what was the Celtics' biggest hole right now on the roster? I feel like we just kind of talked about it being a big man, whether it's a stretch yeah, four, it's stretch five, um, offensive presence, and, whatever. Yeah, just, so I do want to get shooting in general. I completely agree with that. I mean, we have some nice guys who can shoot the ball, and, I, and I've gone on numerous rants about this, how when you need a clutch three-point shot, who are the Celtics giving the ball to? Probably Tatum. Tatum, yeah. Probably Tatum. Now, if you have an absolute sniper on your team, now I'm just now I'm going to use this as an example. Ray Allen, when he was on the Celtics, as good as Paul Pierce was shooting the three, the ball was always going to Ray Allen's hands for a three every single time. And get a guy exactly. And like obviously, there's no, there's not a million Ray Allens out there. And Ray Allen's obviously a special player, but a shooter like that where you give them the ball. You have absolute faith in that shot. Tatum, I have faith in his shot. Brown, I have faith in his shot. But they're more than just shooters, where Ray Allen was predominantly a shooter with flash. Meanwhile, Brown and Tatum, they have flash, but they can shoot the ball. So, so like, it if you have – go ahead. I was just going to say, like, these guys are just examples. I'm not saying the Celtics should bring them in. But, for example, like J.J. Redick. Yes. Like you need a, the Celtics. I feel like the Celtics are so close to being put over that edge to actually make it to the finals. They're just missing these little pieces. Dude, that's what I've been saying. Like, like a shooter, if we can bring in, I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, we can just bring in a dominant shooter. And like, we can only hope and pray that maybe Naismith turns into something like that or Pritchard turns into something like that. But like, I mean, you could have cashed in those draft picks. Not that they're bad picks that the Celtics took. But you could yeah. cash those in at the deadline last year over the offseason and got yourself a shooter. Now, I agree with you. I think a J.J. Redick is a nice type of player, predominantly a shooter, but can give you a little bit extra. Uh, you look at um, Duncan Robinson for the Heat. He's predominantly just a three-point shooter, and he'll hit anything yeah. under the sun. Can he, he give you a little bit? Exactly. And like, Teams, like, that, like you have Jimmy Butler, the star, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's, it's it's a, obviously a team game. Like Tatum and Brown can't do everything. I'm not saying they do, but like to be able to dish it out and just have a three every time, like it's and looking at the heat. That's with, how the heat feel. And looking at the heat with Butler, where he can shoot the three, but you maybe don't want him to because you have someone else who who's better at shooting the three and Duncan Robinson. But if you need Butler to shoot the three, he absolutely will. And that's kind of how I feel about Brown and Tatum, where. You don't mind them shooting, but you'd rather have someone else do it who's a lot better and pretty much all they practice on yeah. during practice is just sitting out there and shooting. So is there any player right now on the Celtics who has been playing better than you thought? And then on the flip side, is there someone on this team who's playing worse than you thought or disappointing? So give I mean, me the better – give me the, the surprise first. I would say for surprise, honestly – the surprise i'd go with pritchard honestly you get drafted in november that was the draft and then like about a month later you're already playing and you have to he stepped in as a backup point guard because kemba's out it's not like he just came off the bench like roll minutes like when we already blew out the team it's like he was playing real minutes and he comes in and he's hitting shots and like he has that game winners yeah, that game winner was awesome. I, I could not agree with more with you, and I was actually going to say Pritchard myself because, I mean, when 
you're a rookie, you drafted a month ago, and you're playing almost 21 minutes or at least 20 minutes a night. It's just yeah. like you expect that out of probably a top 10 draft pick. Now, was it 26 or 27? He, late in that first round, that's where he went. And you don't expect yeah. much of an impact from that kind of player at first. And he's given it to you. And he's given you exactly what you need is that backup point guard player, which, you know, Celtics also, ever – go ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but also not to mention, it's not like he's out there chucking up shots, missing and like just racking up points. He's shooting so good. He's almost 50, 40, 90. He's just shy. It, it, it's That's unreal. It, yeah. And that just shows you the type – that either shows you the type of player he is or the type of coaching that Brad Stevens is doing. And I think with over the course of the Celtics draft selections under Brad Stevens since he took over, I really don't think that many draft picks turned out with the exception of Brown and Tatum. I mean, you can't really pick and point. I mean, you could say Marcus Smart, but he's more of a defensive player, more of a role player. But with Pritchard here, I think he has the potential to turn to someone, probably a key player, maybe a top eight player on your team who can be significantly yeah. impactful, who he has been early on. And to kind of see him get a knee injury, it's kind of tough because the Celtics are starting to roll. But I think that really tells you more about the player in Pritchard that he is rather than, you know, Stevens or the developmental team with the Celtics. Yeah, I like Pritchard. So we both like Pritchard, which is good. I think he's playing far more than we ever thought he was going to, especially in the first quarter of the season. What about a disappointment? Who's, I mean, who's been disappointing thus far in the season? I feel like you could throw obviously Thompson. He's not really that efficient right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like him. Don't I love his presence on the team. And I like having that straight up rebound guy. And who he's just like the Celtics needed that. And I, and I love that. But I feel like he's only shooting. I think he's shooting a career low, if not second career low, in 45%. I saw. I don't have the percentage in front of me. I just have the points and like the rebounds and stuff. I don't have percentages, but I would agree with you from what I've seen. He's probably giving you the bare minimum and what you expect out of him. Like I said earlier in Cleveland, he was a shot protector, a rebounder, a brick wall. You know, once you get inside like six feet from the hoop yeah, and he's been, present. he's been a, a good shell of that. And I'd probably say he's been 75% of what he was in Cleveland Granted, he's older. He doesn't have LeBron. He doesn't have them guys. But I just think, you know, what you're getting out of Tristan Thompson is probably the bare minimum and what you expected. I mean, yeah. still early in the season, tons of game left, um, obviously. He's not play. playing terrible. Exactly. And that's the thing that we need to recognize. And it goes back to earlier, you know, Tristan Thompson would be so much better on the second line if you could kind of have someone fill in and be that starter in that position where Thompson's role and production would probably significantly elevate. Yeah. But I agree with you with Tristan Thompson, but I do have a bigger one that, at least in my opinion, I think is much more impactful than Tristan Thompson. I wonder Thompson. if you're thinking of the same guy as me. <laughs> who who do you think I'm going to say? I mean, I'll say this guy did start off hot. Not anymore. I Jeff Teague. So I don't have a problem with Jeff Teague. I think he's just being a, a backup role point guard who's not going to win you games, and I don't think he's going to lose you games. He's got experience from Atlanta. I mean, he's been around a little bit. I like the pickup, yeah. But my disappointment, and granted, he's only played a handful of games, but yeah. Kemba Walker. I was, yeah. 
I, I just for thirty plus million dollars. I mean, Grant, he, he's not injury. The Kemba he used to be. He is a shell of himself. Oh, that was loud. He's a shell of himself, man. I mean, I granted he's five games into the season, but now with a major knee injury, he's averaging sixteen and a half points. You're not paying the guy thirty million dollars to get you not even twenty points. I mean, yeah. now with Gordon Hayward, we understood because he had the serious, devastating, you know, leg injury, and that was kind of understandable. Yeah. He formed and grew into a more of a point forward type of player that was much more valuable in other ways of just scoring. Now, Kemba Walker, what is he in here to do? Be a leader and to score. I mean, there we go. Mm-hmm. Those are basically his two roles. And is he being a leader? Absolutely. Is he scoring? No. And I think that's really causing Kemba's huge step back. Um, or I should say downfall because I think come the end of this year, as we look into next year, Jason Tatum's massive contract is going to kick in at 39 million. And that extra 30 million from Kemba Walker could probably go towards that plus filling out the rest of your roster. So I would not be surprised regardless how the season ends, whether they win it, lose it, don't even make the playoffs or whatever. I think Kemba's out the door either way. They're going to try to make one more run with him. I mean, he's only in his second year. I love what he's, he brings to the table in terms of his play style, his leadership. But for $30 million a year, we cannot get not 20 points out of him. That's just the way it is. Yeah, no, I agree. But also, I feel like it. this has been Kemba Walker. Yeah, he's been productive last season, but I feel like this has been an ongoing problem. I feel like he doesn't step up when needed. In the playoffs last year, I don't know any exact moments, but I feel as if there's so many times we needed a bucket and he would take the shot and he couldn't hit anything. It was gross last year. And and he was bad with the knee injury. He was hobbling out there, which I I completely commend and respect. But, I mean, when you're going shooting 15 times and you're making two or three of them in game six or whatever against the Miami Heat, you you just can't have that. You're just not for 30 million. I think there were so many instances, not to like get off topic, but so many instances in that series alone mm-hmm. that the Celtics could have pulled away and won and made it to the finals. I completely like agree. game one, I'm pretty sure, tied up, Tatum pulls up from uh, like the hash mark. It's not even close. To, like, he pulled up from so deep and we could have gotten a bucket or he could have drove to the hoop, drew a foul, whatever. That's just the thing with the league. I mean, it's either a three or a dunk. And if you can't dunk it, you're just going to pull up from three. And it doesn't matter where it is. They're just going to shoot because, you know, they all think they have that curry. It's disappointing to see a Mm -hmm. team like that fall short of the NBA finals because of some stupid decisions. By stupid decisions, um, by being one piece short, I mean, I'd say at least arguably you were one piece short from the finals. And so I mean, frustrating as a Celtics fan. So frustrating because it's been like that for years now. I mean, even going back to like the Isaiah Thomas days, you were probably one superstar away from winning. And Ainge exactly. usually could have made a trade to bring in somebody, whether it was a, a starter I mean, or a top eight player. I agree. Like we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with just Isaiah Thomas. And that's just, that's crazy. And that was so fun to be a part of because you weren't expecting to do such a thing. You weren't expecting to be in that position, but now that you are expected, it's getting a little frustrating. Like you said. Exactly. Um, Okay. So 
I feel we're just like going off on these rants about the Celtics and it, it feels so good to do it because there's so much frustration built in, even though they're playing very, very well early, which I have to ignore yeah. are playing very good. I mean, oh, yeah, they are. being fourth in the East. I mean, obviously doesn't look good, but being 10 and seven, I mean, you, you'll take it right. You're two and a half games out of first yeah. place. It's still early. I mean, once you get to like 20, 25 games, that's when things start to take place. The East blows. So you could probably be 500 and still have a home um, a home series. But speaking of being the fourth seed, are the Celtics currently no trades, no you know pickups, anything as it is right now? Are the Celtics a top four team in the East? Why or why not? I say yes. Why? I mean, you got other teams, Sixers. I mean, they're balling out, and then. You got the Pacers and the Bucks. Honestly, those, I mean, Celtics have, I feel like they're a better overall team than the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I know that's a, that could be a hot take, but. No, I completely agree. I think overall the Celtics roster is better. And I Bucks. feel like overall roster as well with the Pacers. Absolutely. And I feel like Celtics, I feel like this always happens. Celtics at the beginning of the season, they start slow, but then they catch up. Mm-hmm. And they win like 50 games a season. I know this season's shortened, so it's not going to be something like that. But I mean, I could, I think the Celtics are top 14. They got I, all the pieces besides, they're lacking a few, obviously, like we talked mm-hmm. about. But so, yeah, bearing no moves being made across the league as it stands right now, I think the Celtics have the second best roster in the East behind the Nets. Obviously, with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, that's so hard to beat. I think Kyrie's on his way out of that door. They're going to make a trade, bring in some more pieces. However, considering where the rosters stand right now, it's a league surrounding by superstars. If you have the best superstars or if you have the most superstars, you're going to win. That's just a fact, and that's been a fact ever since probably the big three from the Celtics formed, maybe even the Miami Heat big three, whatever. You can trace it back, you know, 10 plus years. That's just how it goes. I think the East, the talent in the East is so, so dry. I besides, I mean, you got Embiid, you got Simmons in Philly. That's nice. They're they're a shell of themselves. They always crack under pressure. I don't think they can pull it out. Yeah, and they're not gonna. They do every time. They're really good. I mean, they got a ton of experience. James Harden's a one-way player where he just plays offense. Um, Kyrie is so unpredictable. And if they do anything, it's gonna be through um Durant. The Bucks, I still think are I don't think they're good. I just think they can't just bank off of Giannis the whole time and Chris Middleton, who's trash. And then you look at the Celtics. They got two rising superstars in Tatum and Brown. You got a Kemba Walker who can play very, very, very good. You got Marcus Smart who can also play very, very, very good. And you got a you got a good bench. You finally have a good bench. And though there are holes to fill, I think that bench is probably better than the rest of the East East's bench. So, yes, I think the Celtics are a top-four team, and I think they would be number two, like I said, behind the Nets. Yeah. Um, I mean – Go ahead. Real quick, any – I feel like every team needs a player like Marcus Smart. Not to go in all deep on Marcus Smart, but, like, the Bucks, they don't have someone who dogs out on defense mm-hmm. and brings that fire mentality. I mean, Giannis, but, like – but I'm not talking about honest, the defensive player of the year. <laughs> yeah, he's 
I mean, he's good, obviously. He's, he's, he brings defense to the table. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm talking about like a straight-up dog like Marcus Smart who brings that firepower and that hard mentality to and brings it around everyone. Yep. Every where, team needs like a player like him. I completely agree. Like a um, um, a Marcus Smart. I mean, I know I bashed on Kyle Lowry early, but he's pretty good on defense. He can you know draw fouls and whatnot. And it's those type of players that kind of elevate. Oh, even Patrick Beverly. I mean, you can't forget about him. Who's, um, you know, his, I don't want to say his sole purpose, but one of his main reasons, you know, for getting minutes is his defensive capabilities. And I completely agree. Every team needs that type of player where it's just defense and that's all that player does. And if they give you anything on offense, it's a huge bonus. Yeah, I agree. What about the Miami Heat? I just go way up. Turn that down. What about the Miami Heat, though? I mean, they made Not the finals. Tough. Now they're trash, record-wise. What are they? Six and twelve. Six and twelve. They're seven games out of first place. I mean, they're what was there sixteen, fifteen, fourteenth in the East right now. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Obviously, went to the finals last year, but and they have a great team. But I think they will turn it around. I, think I mean, they will too. you're talking about the the team who took LeBron James. Gave him honestly a good battle in the finals. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think I mean, that that series was so underrated. I watching that series. I think it was underrated because I mean football was going on at the time. People were still kind of boycotting the NBA due to the whole you know um, justice movement. I don't want to get into that, but that was a huge factor in the NBA and in the NFL as well. I mean, and not having fans. And that too, and and that's a huge component. I mean, that's a huge component of all the sports. But I mean. I don't know about you, but if my team isn't in it and I don't really have like a horse running in the race in terms of betting or, or whatever, then I'd rather just watch a game on Sunday because there's less football games than there are basketball games. So I would much rather watch the, uh, the football game in all honesty. So, and that's what millions of Americans did and I don't blame them at all, but I agree. I think the Miami heat will turn it around. Could they end up being a top four team in the East? Absolutely. Because the East is miserable but it's going to be interesting this year especially with Duran healthy Harden's now in Brooklyn I do like that team though I I, they gave up so much they I I think I know they did how do you think it's gonna work I think the Rockets panned out better than the the Nets did with that trade I really do they got four first round picks four unprotected swaps in the first round they got um, Victor Oladipo who's who's very good in himself and you pair him with John Wall and currently they are they're 10th in the west and they're only uh one game out of the um eight seed so i think they're so much better than i mean not right now but they're the trade was so much better for the the rockets than it was for the nets i think the nets are completely in win now mode if they don't win this year if they don't win next year they failed the i'm trade big on failed. that three though really I, I i talked to a lot of people i like i just could tell you're not I just but I don't think it was worth it. I understand the only thing that would sway me is Kyrie being a loser. I mean, if he can I mean, I don't know what he's going through, and I'm not making fun of him or like going at him, but if he brings back what I know he has and like yes. focuses one hundred percent on basketball, I just can't see the Nets not winning the final. I can't see I just, no one in the East stopping them. If they're if Durant's healthy playing, if Harden's doing his thing, 
and Irving puts in 100%, like you were saying. I'm huge on a, like a big three like that. If I agree. Each player is all in. You, you can't have someone like Kyrie half, like. Half. Yeah, you know, yeah I, know, I know what you're trying to say. And I completely agree with you. And I kind of go back to my earlier about the Celtics bench, where the bench and the role players are such a critical component of any NBA, any successful team. And the Nets blew up their bench and blew up their rotation, um, trading away three of their top, their top guys from that second unit. And like, it will work short term. You, you might get the first seed. You might get, you know, home court all the way through. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, when your starters need rest from, you know, playing 42 minutes of playoff game, that second unit's going to be so crucial. And when you have nobody coming off that bench, it's really going to really impact them because that second unit, I talked about this on my episode on Wednesday, I'm sorry, on Friday, that second unit either shrinks opponents' leads, grows your lead, or maintains the current game state. And if your bench can't do any of that, you're going to lose. I mean, I agree. Yeah. They gave up a lot of their bench. I mean, their bench isn't the best, but I feel like you can always have one of those big three out there. And you'll probably, yeah. That's And you still, I think, I I think the Celtics tried to do something like that during the playoffs with Brown and Tatum, Brown, Tatum, and Smart, where they always try to have one of those guys out there at all times resting one of them early in the first quarter, which I think yeah. works for a good good period of time. But then when you get up against the Lakers or the Clippers, I mean, I think the Suns are going to be very good. And then if yeah, the Warriors cool. can do anything, I mean, the Jazz are balling right now. I just, it's going to be so tough. And all those teams are deep. They really are. And could the short town of those big three win and what you have left? Absolutely. I think in a seven game series against LeBron, it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. I know. I so agree. Before we close out our basketball segment here, which has been very, very fun and entertaining, it's good to just unleash my thoughts rant, and everything <laughs> about the Celtics. Um, do you have any closing basketball thoughts before we um, kind of pivot to our next topic? I mean, I, I have a question for you. What team – Right now is the best in the league. Not, and I'm not talking like roster wise, like the Brooklyn Nets, like they got yep. big three. I'm talking just straight up basketball. So, because I know my team, I'm just wondering what yours is. See if we can. I want to exclude up. the Lakers solely because of LeBron and AD. You could easily pick them for pretty much any basketball question and have a legitimate argument of being right. So, I'm going to exclude the Lakers. But as of right now, as it stands, I I like the Jazz and the Clippers. I really do. I mean, they're the Clippers, you know, they lost Harrell and they kind of took a step back with their unit. But I think the power, uh, the superstar power of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with Pat Beverly, I think Lou Williams even, I think that's a really good roster and a really good team who wins a lot of the tough games. They really do. I mean, they beat the Lakers on opening night. The Jazz, yep. even, they're, they're just your typical underdog team who always do well in the season. They always suck come to playoffs. But I think this year there's just something special about the Jazz. Something special. Now, will they finish first in the West? Probably not. Will they be a top four team? I think so. 
But yeah. I'd say those two teams have been good surprises because I thought they were both going to regress, and they both have good rosters with good benches. Which apparently- yeah, I would say obviously Lakers. They're deep, but besides yeah. Lakers, I agree with the Jazz. Not only I'm not just saying it's because they're first and they're tied for first, mm-hmm. whatever they are in the West, but just they are playing really good basketball. Yeah, good fundamental basketball. I mean, it reminds uh, me. One thing I like is that. They're not like some teams, like they're centered around their star player. They rely. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Donovan Mitchell, yeah, he's that oh. star on that team, but they play really well as a team. I, I, I love Donovan Mitchell. I really do. If we could like time out and then I'll go get a jersey, because I have my jersey of Donovan Mitchell upstairs and I'll just hang it on this wall behind here next to the Sullinger um, backdrop. <laughs> I, w- I would. But um, no, I, I completely agree. I think Mitchell is the guy for them, but their team is not revolved around Donovan Mitchell, which I think makes the Jazz special and different. Yeah. Like the um, Memphis Grizzlies last year, as much as they had um, Morant, yep. the team wasn't surround, uh, revolved around him. Like it wasn't always that was good team the battle. ball and then just go. What um, about um, disappointing team? For me, I got the Pelicans. Really? I think they should be playoff team. They, I mean, they should. But the hype that Zion has, I mean, I'm not a big Zion fan. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, and I never will. But I think that that team is just simply not good. I mean, they have Zion, which is nice. Ingram, I think he's A, overrated, B, overpaid, and C, is going to take a huge step back at the end of the year. I personally – disagree with your overall thoughts on the team that's fine i think i think they should be and i'm surprised they're not because they're playing oh they should be they absolutely should be playoff team i mean if you're giving um any player a max contract you should be in the playoffs period otherwise you're just out there cashing checks and having fun i just i don't i don't understand the hype behind the pelicans i won't buy into it but i completely understand and respect your your take on the pelicans being disappointing because they are i just can't buy into it i think the mavs have been disappointing as well talking about disappointments i mean they're a playoff team last year expected to be one this year have arguably a top three player on their team in luca they're under 500 right yeah they're 8 and 11 right now and it's it's very hard to judge a team right now because it's still very early in the season i mean like i said that's the thing it's hard right now to judge i mean any of these teams outside of probably the upper echelon teams in both the East and the West um, could easily fall out. And any of these teams at the bottom of the um, East or the West could easily just climb right in. I mean, especially when there's so much talent in the West. I mean, the Warriors are right on the cusp and they only have Curry. The Rockets who just traded away their superstar are on the cusp. Um, OKC, they're on the cusp and they don't have Chris Paul, who is a huge factor to that team last year. And he's helping with the Suns a lot. Yeah, and I I mean, Chris Paul is no way near the same player he was 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, but he's helped. He is a huge help. He is a leader. He's a role model. He does it the right way, and he takes a lot of pressure off of Book. Uh, And that's the type of veteran presence you need on a young team, and I think Chris Paul is the perfect player for the Suns Mm -hmm. um, for for the reasons that I said. Um. I know I just we just ranted about the West. I think the Heat are a disappointment. Um, I never bought into the Raptors, but I know league wide people are saying that they're a disappointment. 
the Knicks are kind of a surprise. Um, as much as I'll always bash and hate on the Knicks because I think they're a joke team, but they're on they're the eight seed as it stands right now. They're on the cusp. I mean it did start off hot until Austin Rivers said mm-hmm. in an interview, we're doing good, we're an elite team. Yeah, and something they, like that. And then they started losing. But they're still playing pretty good. I'm surprised. They have a really good young core team. I mean, they got Obi-Wan, they got RJ Barrett, um, Emmanuel Quickly, even you could oh, say yeah, Julius Randle. I mean, I love Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, I'm a big Kentucky fan, and any Kentucky prospect that comes out, I always hype them up big time. But yeah. I think they're probably a couple of veterans away themselves. I mean, if they're going to go with that young roster like the Suns did last year, they could use a, a CP3 veterans. type maybe, player. Maybe even a couple, not even just, yeah, you got to bring in a couple bigger players and veterans. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you got to give it, I'd say, a, like two or three more years for Toppin and uh, RJ to be, I feel like, to be completely developed. I, I completely agree. Because I feel like they obviously top and just drafted has a lot of potential. And RJ in his second year, I feel like he has a lot more potential. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's and if you're a Knicks fan or if you like basketball in general and to see the Knicks playing it the way they are with their current roster is very promising. It shows signs of the Celtics back, you know, a few years ago when they, yeah. you know, just had their young players. And they were starting to make some noise in the playoffs. And they were on the cusp of, you know, that 7-8, you know, seed. So it's definitely a good time to be a Nick. Uh, Knicks fan. Is the you know dark days over for them? I wouldn't go that far just yet because they lose yeah. one game and a couple teams win a game and then they're boom back to like the 12th seed in the East. So uh, I, that's why I like having these conversations early in the year because there's so much fluctuation. I mean, yeah. the just- 76ers are up eight and a half games over the Wizards who are in last place. So there's so much that could still change throughout the course of the league, whether it's the East or the West. And when we have the same conversation again, five games away for the end of the regular season, it's going to be so much more different. Our thoughts and takes are going to be completely different. And that's just one of the best reasons. uh, One of the greatest reasons why basketball is a great sport, because there's so much fluctuation with the standings in the league with the most movement. So I need a drink after that. Thirsty. Just like time out, okay. Good podcast so far. I'm loving it. Excellent. It it, it really is. I, I needed this like Celtics NBA rant because I've been holding up so much and I have so much. I have so many Celtics takes in my topic box. So this is the topic box that I referred to. I have oh, yeah. so many Celtics takes in here, but I just don't pull them. Oh yeah. I mean, I talked about two of them on my podcast on Friday, but it was the only two that I pull. So, okay. All right. So, basketball, done. Football, Super Bowl, Chiefs, Super Bowl. Bucks. Th- initial, quick initial thoughts, go. Brady's going to struggle at the beginning of the game okay. because he knows what's on the line for his legacy. I mean, obviously, his legacy's insane like six super bowls mm-hmm. but i'm just saying i feel like he has a lot of pressure on him to prove everyone i feel like he's gonna start off really cold and the chiefs they're comfortable i i just see it being a close game from quarters two through four 
but I feel like the Chiefs are going to pull away in the first quarter because of Brady. He needs to get comfortable in the game to get going. I feel mm-hmm. like they're going to have a lot of four and outs or three and outs to start off the game, like their first couple possessions. That's how I feel. I completely understand that. I can see that. I don't want to think that. Because if the Chiefs go up by two possessions at any point in the game, except maybe the fourth quarter, because magic just tends to happen in the fourth quarter, I think the Bucs are done. The Chiefs can hold leads. They don't lose games for like you know stupid reasons. And their defense is very, very good compared to last year when they won. Exactly. I, I think if the Bucs can score on their first possession – or at least go blow for blow with the Chiefs, whether they score a touchdown, field goal, whatever. I think that's the type of game that Brady wants to be in because at the end of the day, I think Brady will be able to pull that one out because of just the sure experience. I think, you know, he's been there before. He's going to have a home game, so he's going to have a lot of home fans because it's in Tampa Bay, obviously. I just think that it's going to be a completely different game than we've seen so far because of the legacy of, you know, what's riding on Brady. He doesn't want to pass the torch off to Mahomes. Mahomes wants it. He thinks he has it. And if he wins this game, he'll get it. But I think losing another Super Bowl for Brady's legacy going against Mahomes is just not, not a good look for him. And now I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say, Oh, the game's going to be phenomenal. I, I think it could be 50 to 50 by the, you know, the end of the third quarter, but I just I can't envision a scenario where Brady loses this game based off of either poor play or just not executing the plays. I think it's going to come down to the defenses one way or another, whether a defense gets a stop, they get a turnover, or the defense just simply blows the game. I Yeah, those are just my early thoughts. Um I do have other points that I want to get to. It's going to be a phenomenal game. Is this going to this is the perfect is. Super Bowl matchup. It really is before Brady gets any older and retires because a lot of the conversation right now is Mahomes being the next GOAT. He easily could be. He easily might be. be. Will he get six? I don't think so, and I doubt it. But we, boy, when you have the GOAT or the best player of our generation going against the best player of this generation, it's 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 hard to pass up on, and it's going to be a sure treat. I'm excited. It's it's a treat for not only me being a Tom Brady fan, um, but just as a football fan, period. And I just hope that's a good game. There's no blowouts one way or another. I hope, like I said, it's 50-50. to 50. I, I don't want another defensive game. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a treat. So I kind of alluded to it, but do you think this is going to be a shootout kind of a game where it's probably 40-40? to 40? 35 to 35 or whatever, or do you think it's going to be more of a defensive game? Maybe not to the extreme of Super Bowl 53, where it was 13 to three, but maybe kind of like yeah. last year's game where it was like, 12, I don't remember the final score, but pretty sure it was 31, 20. So like for the majority of that game though, it felt like it was a defensive game until the chiefs yeah. you know, kind of That's turned it on average. in the fourth quarter. It's a pretty but, average score for both defenses and offenses. Exactly. I feel like it's going to be like that. I feel like, no side, defense or offense, what I'm talking about, is going to specifically just go all out. I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to be a pretty even, evenly balanced game, and I feel like 
each team will have some three and outs and each team will lead and drive out and score a touchdown. I mean, if Brady doesn't struggle, which I hope he doesn't, because obviously I'm a Brady fan, <laughs> I feel like it could be pretty high scoring. Because both both teams have great offenses. I have to, I had to show you that. So my backdrop right now is the Buccaneers ship at their stadium and way I'm positioned where the backdrop is. It looks like that I have the swords coming out of the side of my head like that. And that's just how cool I am. But no, I, everything you just said there, I completely agree with. I, I think both teams will score over 25 points. Or I guess 24, because that's easier to get. Um, it's going to come down to, I think the offenses will show up. I, I said a little earlier, I think the defense is going to come down to the defenses who can step up, who's going to get the stops, who's going to get the three and outs, who's going to make the turnovers and, and flip the game on a switch. And yeah. I think the Bucks defense is much better than the Chiefs defense. Not that the Chiefs defense is, uh, sucks or is bad, but I mean, they're, they're good. Don't they're a top 10 pass defense. They shut down Rodgers. They did. They did, and and the Bucks defense is no joke to be played with because they got some bad boys over there. Uh, they got uh, Murphy Bunting, who has a pick in all three games so far. They got Devin White and uh, uh, Levante David and their linebacker core, and those are probably the two. Hit. Those are the probably two best linebackers um, for a linebacker. So let me rephrase that. That is probably the best middle linebacker core throughout the league. Is those two the right? Dunk and Sue. They got defense. They, they got Sue. They got Pierre Paul. They just got Vita Vea back. Um, so their front seven is exceptional. And the Chiefs can't run the ball. They struggle so much with whether it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Le'Veon Bell. Back yeah, they there. have no that's have that's no. something that could maybe help the Bucks get mm-hmm. over the edge because they know the pass game is coming. Mm-hmm. They they know their run game is awful. Terrible. They don't it, get, it has been. They were they had a great run game with Kareem Hunt. Then mm-hmm. obviously some things happened. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. ever since I'm not, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is good. He's good. He's, so I isn't Le'Veon Bell. He's not really washed. I would say he just hasn't found the right spot. Yeah, and but I, I I think oh go ahead finish your thought. I was just gonna say they can't get anything going on the run game. No, and like I mean, if you're watching that AFC Championship game, I mean Tyreek Hill is just running, you know, just past all these cornerbacks, just doing all these random crossing routes. And I'm a big proponent of putting your fastest cornerback, whoever's on your roster, whoever's your fastest, on him with safety help over the top. He won't blow you away, and you'll be able to keep everything in front of you. I think that's how you slow down Tyreek Hill because you're not going to stop him. Then yeah. Travis Kelsey, he caught 13 balls, and it was all from the same route. He just ran up to the first down line, turned around, yeah. and sat there. And the Bills just sat back in a deep zone, and let him do it all game. Bills now, did not play. I, I wasn't happy with how the Bills played. Oh, they were such a disappointment. I mean, they they flirted with the game being interesting late, but I mean, we all knew that that game was wrapped up when the Chiefs made it a twenty-four yeah. point game. But if you put either Devin White or Levante David just man up Travis Kelsey, then I think you have a legitimate shot at slowing him down as well. And if you can slow down those two weapons, plus neutralize the run game. Mahomes will still make plays. He'll st- still find targets to throw to. But, I mean, it's going to be significantly more tough, especially if he struggles and there's no run game to lean on. I agree. Unlike the Bucks, where they do have a run game that they can lean on or they can go short or deep play. 
So it's going to be com- super interesting to see both teams' approaches on offense and defense and how to shut down the other team or take advantage of the other team. It's just going to come down to, I don't want to say coaching, even though coaching is a huge factor and the Chiefs definitely have that check mark. But it's going to be really adjusting, making plays, and just trying to find weaknesses or just stop whatever the other team's doing. That's, you know, like Kelsey sitting, you know, 10 yards from the line of scrimmage and just turning around like that. So, um, this is something that puzzles me and it will always puzzle me why Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers. Now I know why he left new England. Why did he choose the bucks? You could say, because it's Florida, wonderful weather. They offered the most money, whatever. But Tom Brady, took a Tampa Bay Buccaneer team who I believe is statistically by win percentage, the worst pro sports team in history. I think at least the NFL, maybe not all across sports, but they're definitely there. And now they're in the Super Bowl. How? (laughs) I mean, I think, I don't know, obviously why Tom Brady, like you said, went to Tampa. I think Tom Brady going to Tampa is the reason why obviously that it's he's the reason why they made it to the Super Bowl but not just because of him I feel like Tom Brady going to Tampa makes guys like Gronk come back Leonard Fournette joining the team it's like they they already had Mike Evans Chris Godwin and then they add Antonio Brown Mm -hmm. because of Tom Brady I feel like because of Tom Brady joining not just because of his presence and play and performance him joining the Bucks also brings other guys in, which helped. And I mean, Nadamikin Sue that you mentioned earlier was a free agent at the end of last year and he re-ups and they re-signed him. And could that because they had Tom Brady? Absolutely. Is he trying to ring chase? Absolutely. And he's even getting up in age. So he has an effect on both sides of the ball, which is unbelievable. And for all the reasons you just said, I completely agree. Bringing in free agents and, you know, getting these guys who are trying to ring chase or, you know, whether on their last legs or still has stuff to give, to just, you know, one more run, whatever. And it's unbelievable how much of that success he had here in New England, bringing in players to go after a ring, whether they won the Super Bowl or not over the course of the 20 years, and to do it in one year. Now, regardless if they win or not, they've had a successful season, obviously. But to win the Super Bowl, to do what Brady did, go to a crapshoot of a team to box, make them a, con- a contender to make them a playoff winner to make them win the NFC championship. That would just prove he's the goat. It's just like unbelievable. And you had all of that success here in new England. And now that Brady's gone, you still have bill Belichick who is arguably the best coach in all of, all of football, all of sports, whatever, but he wasn't able to bring in anybody this past off season. Now you could say that they were tied up against the cap with dead money and whatnot. Sure. Fine. Yeah. But I also alluded to this on my uh, Friday, I believe. Yeah. Friday episode that Matthew Stafford, you know, he is officially, you know, request to trade. He's officially on the block and he came out with a top five list of preferred destinations. And in it, I go over each of the teams that's on it, but what team's not on it? The new England Patriots. Why? Because, yeah, they back. because Brady attracted 
the players and not Bill. You go to New, you went to New England to play with Brady to win a ring. You yeah. don't go to New England to play for Bill and to, to go seven and nine. Uh, I yeah. mean, it's just unbelievable. And Brady, you need, is, you need what? I was gonna say the Patriots. Yeah, they didn't make the playoffs this year, whatever. But I don't think they're done yet. I don't think they need to go in rebuild mode. You don't. I think if they can. I don't. I think if they can bring in, I'm not saying Stafford's going to come in, mm-hmm. throw 50 touchdowns, and lead him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. But I'm saying if they can bring in a guy like him or Deshaun Watson, I don't think that I still think the Patriots are contenders. They have mm-hmm. pieces. I wouldn't say strong. Like they don't have any stud receivers or anything. Yeah. And Julian Edelman, I'd honestly say he's washed up. He's I not going to be who he was, especially without Brady. He's not ever going to be who he was. But um, if you can bring in Deshaun Watson, for say, That's people, it's kind of like, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson's anything like Tom Brady, but I feel like a lot of people would want to come play for Deshaun Watson in New England. Would you? So I love talking about the quarterback carousel in the NFL and the quarterback carousel that's going to go on here in New England, whether you bring in Stafford, bring back Jimmy G, trade for Watson, draft somebody. Okay, so I have a series of questions that I want you to answer. And who uh, – this is so hard. Who do you want the – so regardless of price for trading or financially, who do you want to be the quarterback next year for the New England Patriots? 100% Deshaun Watson, and it's okay. possible. It, it's completely possible. Is it probable? That's a different question. Now, would you rather give up a total hauling package of first-round picks and whatever for Deshaun Watson, or would you rather give up a second and a third or just one first-round pick for Matthew Stafford? Deshaun Watson still. Okay. I would give up. I know. I just think bringing in Deshaun Watson is going to change the whole scheme of the Patriots. I like a, run, a quarterback who can run. Let's see. I have my – proposed trade to the Texans for what it would take to bring in Deshaun Watson. I talked about it on Friday and I, I crinkled it up. I got to try to find it now. You know, I really, I'm high on Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's a top five quarterback. Quarterbacks are hard to find in the league. He's proven he's young. He's in his prime and he has a fresh he's brand still, new contract. Yeah, he's still really young. He just so, finished his fourth year. Exactly. On a, on a terrible Texans team where he put up excellent numbers. You give him an offensive line, and a couple of weapons, he probably, you know, one beat to Patrick Mahomes. That's how good he is and how yeah. good he can be. So here's my, that I talked about on Friday's episode of what it would take minimum. This is what it would take minimum to get Deshaun Watson here in New England. Okay. It would take a 2021 first round pick. So you're 15th overall 2022 first round pick, which we obviously don't know the overall yet. Yeah. 2021 third round pick, which I believe is 117. I haven't done the math, but I think it's 117 this year. A 2024 fourth round pick. A 2024 first round pick. And probably a player. I put Jared Stidham because they might just say, hey, we'll just take him because Patriots have no use for him and they could use a quarterback as a placeholder. I, I'm in on that trade. I know that's a lot of young pieces that you're giving away, but I mean, you're bringing in someone who can keep your franchise contenders, mm-hmm. not just contenders making the playoffs wild card losing, but like real contenders. 
for so, oh how many years you could get at least the next five years because of his contract at least right? at the minimum at the minimum I mean, he just finished his fourth year mm-hmm. he's still got a lot so there's obviously so much to pick apart about my trade proposal where that third round could be a second round that fourth round could be a second third whatever you might have to throw in another first whatever it is and just to put in comparison Jamal Adams was traded from the Jets to the Seahawks for two first round picks and some prime of his career, rookie contract, top three safety in the league. Jalen Ramsey was traded from the Jaguars to the Rams for two first round picks and some, uh, I think he was on his rookie contract at the time of being traded and prime of his career, probably the best cornerback probably is the best cornerback in the league. Now you go looking at the most important position on the field in quarterback where you try to trade for a top five locked up prime of their career player. And you're giving up substantially more assets for that. I mean, I, I I've said, you know, every day on this podcast, that quarterback is the most important position in so football and in all of sports. That trade? What's that? So are you in on that trade or I'm compl- I know at the end of the day, I'm in on this trade. I mean, if you want to be competitive and you want to win now, or at least attempt to win now, you have to make this trade. Yeah. And you can't, you're not just going to win or be competitive with just Deshaun Watson. You have to make moves. You mentioned Edelman's probably washed up. Well, a but top. Bring, bringing a top, in. A guy, Allen Robinson. He's a top. I mean, you could argue a top five. You can argue a top 10. Bringing player. in Deshaun Watson is going to attract those receivers. Exactly. Like, I guarantee you, if you ask, obviously we can't. All the receivers in the NFL, everyone would say they would love to play for Deshaun Watson. Exactly. It would probably be uh, Mahomes. Uh, you could argue Watson and uh, I don't know, Russell Wilson, maybe as, you know, probably top three, maybe top yep. five, you know, who you'd want to play with. But Deshaun Watson's not going to do it himself. And when you're giving up so much draft capital and you have a lot of cap space, you have to make moves elsewhere. And that's going to be through free agency because you're probably going to be done making trades at that point. That's why you bring in Allen Robinson, be your star studded wide receiver. You bring in Hunter Henry being a star-studded tight end, and it alleviates so much pressure off the rest of your offensive roster. And you can probably win the division with that. As good yep. as the Bills were this year, and as good as they're going to be next year and probably years to come, you'll be very competitive in the AFC East to win the division, if not a wild card spot. Yep. Uh, I agree. I think I think the Patriots kind of you know punted on this year, not taking a quarterback. I think they punted on this year, not trading for any weapons or anything at the trade deadline when they were still in it. It's just disappointing to kind of see that the Patriots are in a sticky situation and they're not really trying to do anything about it. Yeah. So there's another, I I just, okay, listen, I apologize for going on mad rants this podcast, but like just having someone to talk to about it is just so, so needed. So let's circle back to the Super Bowl. If you're a betting man now on this podcast, I don't condone sports betting, but if you were a betting man, who are you betting to win the Super Bowl with a score? Chiefs. Chiefs. I feel like it's just, if you want me to, do you want me to give you a score too? Yep. Score prediction? Yep. I'd probably 31-24 Chiefs. Like I said, it's going to be not a crazy high scoring. I mean, that is pretty high scoring, but it's it's a pretty average score, like what most scores I feel like come out to in the 20s, 30s range. Okay. 
Because it's going to be good it. back and forth, like I said. I'm just writing it down because I want to keep track of, you know, everyone's kind of, yeah. you know, predictions, whatnot, and just kind of look back and see if anyone nails it. Safe bet if you're betting. If, I, if I'm a betting man, so I haven't – this is loud. I haven't made my full prediction just yet because I still need to weigh out, you know, um, Mahomes full complete health. He's obviously healthy, but you know, is there any lingering toe issues or anything with the head? Um, injury reports coming into Super Bowl week and, and into the game. Right now, obviously for discussion and argument's sake, I'm going to go with 34-31. It's close game. Buccaneers. That's just right now. That's just right now. I could yeah. change. That probably will change. <laughs> I it's just, I mean, for the, all the reasons I said before about Brady losing this game, I mean, if I he wins this bucks. game, yeah. if he wins this game, he has more Super Bowls than any team now that he's off the Patriots. It's just he has so much to win, uh, so much to gain, and so much to lose. I just don't. I see. That's the thing. I just feel like, and I agree with you, but I just feel like. That being said, is going to put pressure on him. He's not going to perform as well. And off the bat, yeah. off the bat, he's a good quarterback. He'll he'll find it, his rhythm. But off the rip, first quarter, like I was saying, I just don't see it, and that's why I think the Chiefs will take advantage of that. And you're absolutely right, or you might be absolutely right, where that could happen. And it's so hard to say what things will happen throughout the course of a game that's not going to take place for another a week from now or so. And it's it's the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the two best teams in the league versus probably the two best quarterbacks in the league with star-studded rosters. So anything can happen. And it's it's one of the beauty beautiful things about the sport where there's just one game and everything rides on this one game, unlike the other three sports where it's a best of, you know, best of seven, whatever series. Yep. And I mean, this game could be a blowout. I mean, the Chiefs could win by 30. The the Bucks could win a 10 to 6 game. Who knows? So it's there's so much to look for, and that's why I kind of want to hold off on my prediction because I still have variables to weigh. I got to kind of you know look into it yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. But my my current prediction as of now is thirty four thirty one because I think it'll be a field goal game. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go Bucks or you know, I think it might be you know three four point game. However you want to say it, respectable. So, like um, with all that being said, we've probably been going for like an hour now, and it's been an absolute blast to a catch up to you, b hear your thoughts, and just see have you on. I mean, I appreciate um, you taking the time out, dude. Joy really being do. on, I like it. Definitely got to do it. Absolutely, do it. I mean, we, I like we can it. eat. We can go um right after the Super Bowl and just kind of break down. You know, look back at our thoughts and takes about it, and just break it down on how bad or how smart we were about it, mm-hmm. and. I mean, as the basketball season, you know, unravels some more, there's going to be much, much more discussion to talk about and just absolute pleasure to have you on, dude. And I'm definitely looking forward to the next time that you're on for sure. I'm excited. So with all that being said, all the pleasantries out of the way, is there anything, any final raging thoughts that you have, or is there blazing hot take that you kind of want to leave on? I think we really covered everything. I'm happy with how this podcast went absolutely dude all right so it's been a it's been a heck of a ride dude and i appreciate you coming on of course what do you guys think that was nuts wasn't it i mean 
you can argue that some of the takes were hot. You can argue some of the takes were right, wrong, whatever. I think anything and everything we said was completely true. Looking at the Celtics situation, Peyton Pritchard's rise to to you know, success, call it, uh, the Harden deal and how that kind of affects the NBA. Uh, it, it was just, like I said at the, at the beginning, it was so good to just talk about basketball. It really is. Uh, I may not seem like it, but I love basketball. Trust me, you know, basketball runs in my blood. I played it my entire life. I, I've coached it even. So just to kind of talk about basketball here on this podcast was so, so good. And I'm so happy I was able to do it with Joey. Um, him and I, like I said, go go way back. And he's definitely going to come back on on Murph's Boston Sports Talk. He's going to be a guest again. When? Who knows? But potentially after the Super Bowl, you know, kind of gauge our takes and our previews and our thoughts. I think his score of 31-24 going way of Kansas City is accurate, is viable, is logical. And it's definitely interesting to see at the end of the day if his t- if his prediction was right, wrong, way off, spot on, who knows. So I appreciate everyone for listening. I know it was a longer episode. That's just how it is with interviews and special guests. Hopefully you are enjoying these special guests, these different voices and opinions other than just my own. I really appreciate for you listening, downloading, liking, following, subscribing, whatever and everything you guys are doing it goes so far and is so meaningful to me i appreciate every one of you who does such a thing thank you so much for listening and i will catch you on wednesday's edition of merv's boston sports talk but until then stay warm stay safe and don't go outside because it is a blizzard out there see ya